that talk is about to begin. Hey, 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 come on in. Welcome back to Buckeye Talk. Doug Maurice in a super busy week. How did this all happen together at the same time? It's your Wednesday Buckeye Talk. And here's what we're doing. We are using this Wednesday Buckeye Talk to really set up the Big Ten Championship game because, oh, by the way, that's happening on Saturday at noon. But Wednesday, which is today as you're hearing this, is also National Signing Day. But we previewed National Signing Day two Wednesdays ago so that you would be ahead of the game on that. So Ohio State's signing this class on Wednesday, and then after they sign it, we're going to do a podcast on that for Thursday. For the big Thursday Buckeye talk during Big Ten Championship Game Week, it's going to be a lot about recruiting and also other stuff. But this podcast is not about recruiting because it's about the championship game. But Steven's busy writing recruiting stuff. Nathan is busy writing team stuff. So I gave those guys a podcast off, and I'm going to talk for three hours by myself. You think I would, right? That was three seconds of you thinking to yourself, Doug is actually going to do that. He's capable of foisting that upon us, but I'm actually not going to do that because I talked to two people about Northwestern, and that's what I want to talk about. We have Daniel Olinger, who is interesting because it is hard to find people who cover Northwestern on a daily basis because there aren't as many outlets that do that as there are around, say, Ohio State, which has like 10 outlets that do that. So Daniel Olinger is a Northwestern student. He also happens to be an Ohio State fan. He also happens to be a longtime Buckeye Talk listener. But he knows Northwestern, and he covers Northwestern, and he writes about Northwestern. And I wanted somebody to break down the Northwestern roster with me. And so that's what he did. And he did a really good job. It's a good conversation. You're going to go know know more about Northwestern when we're done. And part of the reason that I went to Daniel. First off, it's because he's a good kid. He did a good job. But it's because the other guest today doesn't do this anymore. It's Teddy Greenstein, the dean of Big Ten football writers, who a couple months ago left his job at the Chicago Tribune where he covered Northwestern. He covered the Big Ten. He covered national college football. was a great resource for us to talk about Northwestern. Man, he works for a betting website now. So I talked to Teddy kind of about that move, also about what it's been like to bet Big Ten football games this year, but also he still knows what's up. He was doing this a couple months ago. We also talk about Ohio State Northwestern, a little more big picture, big picture Pat Fitzgerald, what it might mean for Northwestern if it could happen, and his sense of whether he thinks it actually has any chance of happening, and a little bit from a betting perspective, which T. Shu, our unofficial bookmaker, likes when dumb sports writers like me talk to people who are actually involved in the betting game. And Teddy is a sports writer now involved in the betting game. That's what this podcast is. You will be smarter about the Big Ten Championship game on Saturday when it's over. You'll be smarter than you are now because I was smarter after the conversations with Daniel and with Teddy. So that's what's coming up. And I'm just going to tell you this. I think the Northwestern defense, I've been watching some Northwestern stuff on Tuesday. I think they're legit. I do think they're legit, and they're really legit in their back seven. I think their linebackers are really solid, and I think they have at least two, maybe three, maybe even four guys in their second, excuse me, in their secondary. Uh, Editor, if you want to get that burp out, I'd appreciate it. That are real dudes. I think their secondary might be better than Ohio State secondary, which that is not about necessarily like pro potential, but like, 
every when you count everybody on the field doing their jobs, I mean, Sean Wade's the most talented cornerback in this game, and I don't think it's close. But they have some dudes. This Newsome guy at corner is a real guy. He's actually a pretty talented guy. And this Brandon Joseph guy at safety, I think, I think is a young playmaker. And so I'm very curious to see what this Northwestern secondary is going to do against Justin Fields. Are they going to stop Justin Fields and Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson? No. Can they throw him off? Could they do something? Could somebody make a play, make a read on a ball, make a break on a ball and get a pick? Could they hang with Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave a little better than kind of anybody else has done this year? I think that's possible. They're not going to stop them. They don't have the guys 1 through 11 to stop them. And I'm curious how they choose to defend Justin Fields in this passing game. But I I don't know that Ohio State's going to get a lot of the tailback run game going. And I'm curious if they get a lot of big explosive plays in the pass game. I mean, again, it's the same analysis. Oh, don't give a big play. So, if I mean, if Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave are catching 50-yard touchdowns, it's, it's over. But if they can limit that and make Ohio State march, I don't think I think you're not going to stop Ohio State, but maybe you slow them down. Maybe you keep it in the 30s. So I think for Northwestern to win, I don't. I mean, we talk about it with Daniel, but just my preview, I don't know that Northwestern is going to score more than 28, at least offensively. If they get more than 28, they'd have to get a defensive score, a special team score, a super short field because of a turnover, and you have to go 10 yards for a touchdown. That's barely an offensive score. I don't think they're marching up and down the field for more than 28. So can Ohio State get 28? I mean, yeah, Ohio State could get 28 on almost anybody. And this is the second best scoring defense, gives up the second fewest points per game in the country. So I would respect Northwestern from that. Do they have the dudes offensively? No, they have a veteran quarterback who will manage the game. But I actually think it might be a hang. We'll get to our so our Thursday podcast is going to be a lot of recruiting, maybe some rapid fire other stuff. The big Tuesday, the big Thursday pod, two hours, two hours for the Thursday pod. And then the Friday pod, we'll do our picks. So we'll talk a little bit more about why we're picking what we're picking. Um, but I wanted just to give you guys a good sense of what this game is going to be. So we're going to start with Daniel. Then we'll go to Teddy. We appreciate you guys hanging in. We appreciate any reviews at Apple Podcasts. We appreciate you guys like subscribing so you don't miss any, any of these Buckeye Talks read cleveland.com slash osu and a great time to try the text i mean it really is it's just a great time to try it because it's a 14-day free trial and there's a lot of stuff going on right now and once you get i will send the alert so this is the wednesday december 16th podcast so like in two days we'll get to the point where if you start the free trial it would take you take you through the semifinals on January first. I'll send the red alert. Start your free trial today, and you'll get it through the playoff semifinal. And then if they win and go to the national championship game, you might have to re up for a month for four bucks, and then you can bail after that if you want, or you can stick around because we do it year round. All right. No Nathan, no Steven. They'll be back on the Big Thursday pod. Make sure you're reading cleveland.com slash OSU for all our coverage on Wednesday of National Signing Day. Steven's going to have a bunch of stuff in the morning, and then we're going to have a bunch of stuff after we talk to Ryan Day, Mark Pantone, Kerry Combs are lined up to talk to us on Zoom on Wednesday afternoon. So just make sure you check cleveland.com slash OSU at least twice, once in the morning and then once late afternoon or evening on Wednesday to make sure you get all the recruiting coverage. But you know what? Maybe check it a couple times a day. And we'll also be sending out texts about what's going on. Thanks for listening. Here comes Daniel Olinger, Buckeye Talk listener, Northwestern reporter, right here on Buckeye Talk.
All right, joined on Buckeye Talk by Dan Olinger, the smartest Northwestern <laughs> reporter there is around. Dan, Dan and I uh, were just talking about this. And there's just, you know, at Ohio State, we have literally like 10 outlets who are covering Ohio State football full time. And just at a place like Northwestern, it's it's like in a city, but the Chicago Tribune and the Chicago Sun-Times and like places like that, there's a million things going on. Like we know newspapers have had cutbacks that – they may be, you know, Teddy Greenstein, who's who's on this podcast this week. He's not there anymore. There's there's sites who do cover Northwestern, but there's just not as many as at Ohio State. So I wanted to talk to somebody who could break down Northwestern, and Dan is the man. But Dan, you have you are an, a Northwestern undergrad student, but you also have some connections to the Buckeyes. So just lay the foundation for the people of why you're on this podcast right now. Yeah, so uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, just a great honor to be on here. Um, and I've listened to your podcast a lot, especially in high school, because I grew up an Ohio State fan, even though I'm from Philadelphia. It's it's a long story that's hard to explain. Basically, most of my family's from Ohio, and then we moved here when I was really young. My parents were huge Ohio State fans growing up, so you know I watched all the games. I lo- loved the team. That 2014 Ohio State team holds a special place in my heart still. But uh, yeah, and I, I now go to Northwestern and <laughs> lo and behold, they're meeting in the Big Ten Championship. So it's kind of like a, it's a great situation for me getting to watch two teams I've probably watched more than any in the Big Ten. This is Dan's game. This yeah. is all for Dan. Pat Fitzgerald's doing it for Dan. Ryan Day's doing it for Dan. Everybody's doing it for Dan. But listen, so you write, you and I were discussing this. We want to send some love uh, your way for people, for a Buckeye Talk listeners who are trying to get some some information about the Wildcats, scout out the opposition, tell people where they can find your work and what kind of stuff you guys are doing. Yeah, so I'm a managing editor for Inside and You, which is the Northwestern SB Nation blog, one of only two SB Nation blogs uh, that, for colleges that are run completely student-run. And we have a lot of great work over there, whether it be you know typical reports that you would see from any news outlet or We do like my big thing is I like to do a lot of game film studies, be it football or basketball. So you can find a lot of that kinds of stuff. And yeah, it's just a great place where you can find a lot of people who are passionate about sports, passionate about passionate about Northwestern sports and want to talk about them a lot. All right. It's good stuff. So so Dan's going to help us break down. I want to get the nitty gritty here a little bit about Northwestern and what they're going to try to do against Ohio State. Let's start with the Northwestern offense, because this is a defense led team. For Northwestern, so we'll save them for the second half. Peyton Ramsey at quarterback for Northwestern. Um, Northwestern ran the ball like crazy against Illinois last week. Just a very basic, basic question: Do you think Northwestern will have more success throwing it on Ohio State or more success running it on Ohio State? I would bet they have more success throwing it for a couple of reasons. One is that I. I don't think this Ohio State secondary is as good as they were last year. So the part of it's that too is I think Indiana showed that you could can throw on this team and that Northwestern, while they obviously had a great game running the ball last week against Illinois, you look back at their like last five, six wins against Illinois, they've always done a really good job running the ball. Even last year when they put together one of the worst offenses in power five history, they gashed Illinois for like 300 yards with a cornerback playing running back and their backup quarterback just they just ran all over them so that I think the 400 yard performance was more of Illinois is really bad than Northwestern is good at this kind of thing and 
I, I just think that while their offensive line has played pretty well all year, you know, Peter Skronsky just got named second team all Big Ten as true freshman. He's an incredible left tackle, probably an NFL player in the future. They they just they've struggled to kind of find that feature back. Isaiah Bowser just hasn't picked up like if Ohio State fans remember him from the Big Ten championship a few years ago. He's just not played at that same level since then. Drake Anderson has like bursts that are really nice, but as a running back, but he he fumbled near their own goal line early in that Illinois game and just got benched the rest of the game. And he's pretty up and down. They brought in the freshman Cam Porter had a really nice game, but again, that was his first big game, first game where he actually got a lot of work. So, you know, it's hard to tell if that's for real. So I would definitely expect them to go more to their passing game, even though you don't think of Northwestern as this air it out kind of team. They're not like probably airing it out super deep and letting Peyton Ramsey throw wherever he wants. But I do think they're going to try and attack more through the air than on the ground. So you mentioned, uh, you know, this is not going to be a Michael Penix, Indiana. Uh, maybe you didn't mention so, so, this is not Indiana. This is the Peyton Ramsey's not Michael Penix. In fact, that's why he's at Northwestern. <laughs> he, couldn't, he couldn't beat out Michael Penix. This offensive line. One of the interesting things afar from afar to me is that Rashawn Slater, who I have seen at least one person suggest that Rashawn Slater is as good of an NFL tackle prospect as Panay Sewell from North from Oregon, who is people think might be a top five pick. He opted out. He was supposed to be Northwestern's left tackle along with Micah Parsons. He's probably one of the two biggest permanent opt outs of this big 10 season. Cause other guys like Rondale Moore and Rashad Bateman opted out and then came back and Northwestern just won the big 10 West without, I'm assuming he's their best player. I mean, is there anybody else on this Northwestern team? Who's going to be a first round pick in the coming I mean, draft? The, the funny thing is that the guy who replaced him, Skaronsky, the true freshman, will be an NFL player in a few years. He's, he's not probably not – I mean, he's just a true fe- freshman right now, but you're exactly right that Slater was far and away the best player on this team. And so they've done this without him, which I think is worth noting because, for instance, when Penn State stunk, <laughs> we all noted at various times, like, hey, well, they don't have Michael Parsons. Well, they don't have Michael Parsons. Like, okay, well, Northwestern doesn't have its best player, and it won the West anyway. How good has this offensive line played without him in terms of protecting Peyton Ramsey? And we'll get into some of the stuff they might do with some play action and some bootlegs. But just in terms of trying to give Peyton Ramsey a little bit of time against a North, against an Ohio State defensive line that is good, maybe very good, not great. We know Tommy Togia and Haskell Garrett are going to get interior pressure. They haven't gotten a ton of sacks on the edge, although they do get consistent pressure. Is Peyton Ramsey going to be running for his life, or can this Northwestern offensive line protect him? So, I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say they're like a stellar unit that's completely lifted the team or anything, but they're obviously – they've done very well all year. They are pretty much solid. There's nothing like you can point to like – besides probably Peter Skaronsky in terms of a guy who's just dominant at times, like running people over. The other guys pretty much all do their job. The, you know, it's the you follow some of those Northwestern stereotypes you believe from a good Northwestern team. They don't make a lot of mistakes. They're all pretty solid that you can pretty much trust each one of them. They've had, I think they had some trouble against Wisconsin and some people think that they're, I know you're talking about protecting the quarterback, but that's part of the reason Northwestern's run game has really disappeared through they ran it well against Maryland and Illinois at the bookends of the season, but in the middle part, they just weren't running the ball that well. So some people thought the offensive line, you know, not opening up enough holes and Payton will probably, I wouldn't say be running for his life. They can definitely, there's definitely a scenario where Ohio state gets a lot of pressure on him, but 
you know, Mike Bajakian, their offense coordinator, schemes up a lot of plays where Peyton Ramsey is rolling out or on the run on purpose because he can throw on the run really well. He's very good at like those little rollouts in the out routes straight to the sideline and finding his wide receivers on those plays on the run, fitting it nicely. He doesn't panic while he's running. He's still keeping his eyes downfield. So, you know, part of it is they kind of want Peyton to be running because it helps their O-line protect him better, help, helps him to know those kind of things. And he can do it. He's pretty good at that. So they were doing, I was, I was watching some of the Wisconsin game um, mm-hmm. this morning before I ate some pizza and then, got on here with you. I haven't watched as much of it as I want to, but they were rolling him out a lot. Play action, bootleg stuff, quick little out routes to the sideline that seemed to hit pretty well. Um, I like, it seems teams that run wide against Ohio state. It very rarely works unless you have a super fast NFL level back because you're going to get in trouble a lot of times. I like the idea of play action boot with your quarterback throw quick stuff to the edges, stay out of the middle of the field with your passing game. Some, some teams like to throw in the middle of the field. I think sometimes against Ohio state, you can get in trouble. Sometimes the tight ends open, but throw quick stuff on the edge where you can get some one-on-one coverage, hit some comebacks and that kind of thing. And then run inside, throw outside, run inside. And it feels like that's a little bit of what Northwestern maybe will try to do. You brought it up. Peyton Ramsey on the move on the off play action on bootlegs, cut the field in half, make him be able to see things easily, hit quick stuff. Are the Northwestern receivers going to get open? You know, in this, if they do this, are the Northwestern receivers good enough to get open and make these catches and, and move the chains with some of these 12 yard routes? What, what is the receiving core like? Cause as you've said, you can sort of tell what Northwestern wants to do in the past game. Yeah. So their best receiver this year has been Ramad Chokio Bowman, who's a, bigger senior receiver, I think about six, two, and he, he has kind of been a guy who's always loved to have potential as an athletic, bigger receiver, but has finally put it together this year. He's just really reliable on those out routes where Peyton's on the move and he just doesn't drop a ton of them. He's, and of course being taller, like you can throw it up to him and trust that he has a little bit of an advantage there. You're right in that they don't really try and throw down the middle too much. If they do, it's usually like on very short crossing routes. They like to go to Kyrick McGowan, who's more of the short speedy receiver try and get him out in space so he can get running and if not him check downs to their tight end john rain who again like trusts very well at and northwestern does a very good job of scheming these guys up and they do have enough talent to get open now there's no burners or super mismatch guys where you think oh whoever's on him like just check to him right away because he's going to be open there's nothing like that like huge mismatches but they're they can definitely get open when they need to but the big thing is, like, you're not going to be worried if you're Ohio State about Northwestern just having a speed mismatch on the outside and going bombing it deep because Peyton Ramsey does not like to throw deep. He does not have the strongest arm, and they do not have any, like, top-tier speed wide receivers. Okay, so so if Northwestern's going to do anything offensively, they're going to have to put drives together. Hmm. They're going to have to have great play calling. They're going to have to mix it up. I mean, it, listen, every every team in the world that has a good – but not great quarterback, you're going to run play action. You're going to get him out of the pocket. You're going to try to cut the field in half to make the throws easier for him. This is what you do. But I, I do feel like, and you would, this, this is why you're here, Dan. You're supposed to make sure you check, check me on this if I'm wrong. 
the quarterback play last year for Northwestern was a mess, right? It, it might have been the worst quarterback play in Power Five like history. It was truly awful. They, I think they, they finished 126th in passing yards, and the three teams they were ahead of were the triple option teams. So it was bad. <laughs> so that is sort of what we're measuring this that's what we're measuring Peyton Ramsey against and that's what I'm sure that's what every Northwestern fan everybody every is well he's better than that no they he is beloved just for the fact that it was the lowest of the low last year and he is like an above average I think he got named like third team all big 10 this just today which um I mean I don't know if he's the third best quarterback in the big 10 but again it's like in comparison to last year he is the savior of the team so which which I thought is what would happen that Northwestern really does have some pieces and they just needed some competent, just competent, just competent quarterback play to hold it together a little bit. But you know, you go to the stats and he's 11th in quarterback rating in the big 10 behind Rocky Lombardi, who, if you told me that Rocky Lombardi was starting for Northwestern, the big champ in the big 10 championship game, I would say, will Ohio state win by 60 or will Ohio state win by 80 (laughs) Peyton Ramsey this year? is 124 of 210 passing, 59% completions. In seven games, he's thrown for 1,200 yards. So whatever it is, 100 and, let's see, 174 yards per game. Nine touchdowns, six picks. And again, he the, the only like starting quarterback he's ahead of in QB rating in the Big Ten is the Rutgers starting quarterback. So, but it has been competent. Is it better? I mean, stats aren't everything. He must be playing better than those stats would indicate the 59% completion rating. And he does have six picks. Has, does he make boneheaded plays? Does he throw it right to the defense sometimes, or does he just play competent quarterback and listen every now and then somebody's going to get you? Uh, he does not make a lot of boneheaded decisions. I would say there's maybe been just trying to look back, think back on it, maybe two or three of those picks were, but I think some of those were tipped. Some of those were maybe he just didn't have the arm strength for it and got picked. But he, and if those were bad decisions, those are some of his only bad decisions. He is generally a very good decision maker. And his, his legs have mattered a lot to this team as well. Just like I said, being able to throw on the run, being able to scramble when needed, being able to get out of sacks. And he just, he finds a way somehow to keep the offense moving, which they literally couldn't do anything but move backwards last year. So again, like you said, just some competent play. He, he is a just, it's hard to describe because I thought he was going to play, maybe put up a little better stats this year, especially considering they are six and one. But I mean, it's hard to question him when you look at the win column and he seems like he at least makes a few really good plays every game. And he does have, he's done well converting on third downs and he just, he always seems to get what he needs to to win games, except for that Michigan State game where that was definitely his worst game of the season. Okay. And I've said it a million times. I'm going to keep saying it. Listen, David Blau, at the Purdue quarterback, beat Ohio State. Nate Stanley at Iowa, beat Ohio State. Connor Cook beat Ohio State. Like, you don't always have to be Deshaun Watson, you know, sometimes. But he has to play great. He yeah. has to play for Northwestern to have any chance – Peyton Ramsey has to play the best game he's ever played in his life. And he can't throw for 174 yards. He's got, I mean, he's got to, he's got to be more than he's been, but because he's a veteran guy who's been in the league, who's played Ohio state, he started against Ohio state in Indiana. He's been in these situations. I think he has a chance to do it. If, if there was some guy with the exact same stats, who was a red shirt freshman who'd never played and was just sort of a game manager for a team with a good defense. It's like, I don't know. All right. 
but he's a game manager for a team with a good defense who's been around the block. And I think, I think has a 5% chance to pull out one of those games where it's like, wow, Peyton Ramsey threw for 287 yards and kept Northwestern within shouting distance for four quarters. I don't, I don't think that's impossible. Is that at least slightly possible in your mind? I mean, it is, it's just really hard to imagine because the, the thing that makes it hard is that you would think a quarterback who could really do this, even if they are more of a game manager, will ha- would have more of a deep threat than Peyton Ramsey does. But he does, again, make enough good plays that you feel like if Ohio State has an off day and he's just really on and he's hitting all those intermediate passes that he needs to, like they could string together a lot of good drives. They could be moving the ball in Ohio State's defense pretty effectively. So – yeah, I again, like you said, I think five percent is probably a good place to put it. It's would I bet on it? Certainly not. But does it? Is there a world where it exists where Peyton Ramsey balls out and they can pull this off? It does. Yeah. All right, I don't want to make too much of it. I mean, North Ohio State's probably going to just destroy him. I mean, I, you know, he's probably going to have a, you know, probably be up his butt with a coconut. So I mean, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't want to like only talk about well uh, the three percent chance. I mean, listen, it's you know, the guy's limited. The guy is a limited but veteran competent quarterback. But, and we'll switch now, what this really is going to be about is if this Northwestern defense, which which is the sec, which is second in the nation and fewest points allowed per game, first in the power five, but also let's run through the quarterbacks they've played, but they also have played some decent games. This is the defense that if, if I mean, Peyton Ramsey, that Northwestern offense, I don't think is going to score more than, I don't, if they get to 30, I would be very surprised. So the, They've the been formula, averaging 25 points per game to this point. So, and, and, you know, maybe you get a pick six or you get a, you get a weird bounce on a fumble and a fumble return, or you run a punt back or something. If, if that actual Northwestern offense scores 28 offensively, I will be shocked. So to me, the only formula for Northwestern to have any chance is a game in the twenties, which means this Northwestern defense holding down this Ohio state passing game. So let's talk about that again. Number one among power five and fewest points allowed per game. You just look at like the starting lineup. There are a lot of old dudes in this starting lineup. And it starts with three senior linebackers. And I want to start with the linebackers, three senior linebackers who have all played a ton of snaps in their career, led by Patty Fisher. Who's been at Northwestern for 10 years. He's the Aaron Kraft of Northwestern football. (laughs) I was watching, again, the little bit of the Wisconsin game I watched, it felt like there were a lot of important downs where they would rush four, sometimes rush three, drop seven, drop eight, and they would clog up the middle of the field with these linebackers in coverage who would sink and know where to be, would help, you know, clog stuff up. You got If you got crossing routes, if you got tight ends, if you're trying to do some stuff, they get in the way. They forced a pick on Graham Mertz where I think it was Gallagher. Is that one of the linebackers? Yeah. Gallagher. I don't know anybody's first name. Yeah, Br- Bryce Gallagher. He's actually, there, there's a, I would be pretty confidently say he's played the best of any of their three linebackers all season. He's been sensational all year. Is it okay if I just call all three linebackers, Patty, Patty Fisher, hey, Patty Gallagher. And what's the other one? Uh, the other one's Chris Bergen. They call themselves the Irish law firm. They do. All right. Then I'm calling them all Patty, Patty Bergen, Patty Gallagher, and Patty Fisher. Patty Gallagher just sinks enough in coverage 
to get in a passing lane. He forces Graham Mertz to throw over him. And then Graham Mertz, in trying to throw over the linebacker, overthrows his receiver, and the safety behind gets an easy pick. That You can see how disciplined they seem to be with that. These linebackers just clogging stuff up and being in the right place. And then again, they're going to have to come up and be in the right holes and be gaps, you know, gap sound and make tackles in the run game. Is that a thing? Again, because it's one thing to do it against Minnesota and Maryland and Iowa. It's another thing to do it against Ohio State's talent. But but is that a thing? Those linebackers look pretty good to me. No, that's definitely the the strength of the team, the heart of the team. They've said as much all year that they really rely on those linebackers. Uh, Chris Bergen, the that one, he is um he's a bit of a smaller linebacker, a little bit shorter, but he, as you would expect, a shorter linebacker to do. He can really move around the field. He kind of flies everywhere. Can just get into like you say, clog up stuff by just getting in the way. And then Fisher and Gallagher as big, strong guys who always know where to be. They are really playmakers in terms of just they. You'll see a guy breaking away for a run for a second, and you think the lane's open, and then just suddenly one of them's there, and they like swipe out his feet, and he's done. And they they don't miss a lot of tackles. There's just very few mistakes made. And yeah, they really are. It's why they can trust themselves to only rush those four, even though their defensive line is probably the weakest part. If you went defensive line linebacker secondary, the defensive line for Northwestern is probably their weakest part, even though they're fine overall. They're probably like an average D line. It's that they can really trust those linebackers just to not let anything bad happen in that middle section of the field. All right. So Indiana got after Justin Fields in the second half a little bit with some exotic blitzes. The offensive line had some trouble picking some stuff up. They brought some late safety blitzes that threw them off a little bit. How is that? Is that what Northwestern might do? Or, or would you expect that the best plan for this defense really is drop seven, drop eight, try to not give Justin Fields, passing lanes keep an eye on him so he doesn't kill you on the ground and let's just not be that worried about pressuring him but try to just clog up the field don't get beat deep and make make them make difficult throws or will they blitz i would bet on them probably dropping back more than blitzing if they do like send other guys they like to send uh, their second corner cam ruiz on blitzes and also more on run plays, but Brandon Joseph, the freshman safeties had a great year for them all year. He is incredibly fast closing space if they send him so he can really get in there. But um, yeah, I would expect them to drop back more because that like we've talked about before, the strength of Ohio State's offense is Justin Fields, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, that trio of an awesome pass thrower and two awesome pass catchers. And Northwestern has a great secondary. Greg Newsom's played like an all-American corner this season. He's just been awesome for them. And he, even though he might, he doesn't have the, I, I think they're probably a little more worried about Garrett Wilson than Chris Olave, just because Garrett Wilson's top end speed is probably a little scarier to them than someone like Olave, who's obviously a great athlete, but probably relies more on ball skills than Wilson does his just insane athleticism. So that's probably what they're more worried about. I would, if I'm an Ohio State fan, I'm definitely looking for Garrett Wilson to have a big game for Ohio State to kind of pull away if they, in this one. But I would expect them to, lean back more of the one thing that could be a problem then is Justin Fields on designed QB runs, because that is something that is for as great as this Northwestern defense has been. And they have been just a tremendous unit all year. They, you can just, like you said, watching the Wisconsin game, that was probably their best performance. They just absolutely did. They destroyed Graham Mertz's confidence in one game, just how bad, how much 
they made him play so bad in that game. Just, they've still been killed by QB runs okay. for a lot of this year. I think Adrian Martinez and uh, McCaffrey, the other Nebraska quarterback, were able to get the get those a lot. The Michigan State quarterbacks could still run on them whenever they wanted. It's just it's been a problem all year, and Ohio State has been reluctant from running fields too much. But it's quite clear he can do it. So that would be the concern if they drop too much back. Then Ohio State's going to say, "Okay, Justin, take off," and then Northwestern's probably in trouble. That's what I think is going to happen. I think Justin Fields will be Ohio State's leading rusher in this game. I I don't know that Master Teague is going to be able to get a ton because this feels like the kind of defense that can stop a a more of a straight ahead, straightforward back like Master Teague. So I'm I'm curious how the run game will shake out, but this feels like a big Justin Fields run game to me. Let's talk about the secondary a little bit before we get back on that. You brought up Brandon Joseph. That's a guy. Did he make first team all big 10 today? I don't, I haven't seen that yet. Cause I only saw oh, that the they only did offense. They didn't release defense yeah. yet. That's right. He, he, he should be, he should, in my opinion, he's in all, he's in all American conversations. That's how good of a year he's having. How will they cover? Let's, let's deal with this first. Cause I, I'm wondering if Brandon Joseph would be involved in this in the way they use their safeties. And I don't know, cause I haven't watched enough of that. How are they going to cover Garrett Wilson? Do they have a corner that they will line up in the slot over top of him? Could Joseph get involved with that in some man coverage from a safety spot? Will they just, will they bracket him? Will they have two guys over Garrett Wilson all the time? I've sort of been, we were talking about what if the Ohio state defense played the Ohio state offense. And I, you know, I would be, if I were a defense, I'd be trying to match up the best I can with my outside corners and be looking to give all the help on Garrett Wilson in the slot. If you don't feel like you have a slot, you can cover him. It does feel like Northwestern will be in zone at times and have guys, you know, seven drop seven, cover your area. But then sometimes again, you, you get a guy in a crossing route and doesn't matter what area you're in. How will they cover Garrett Wilson? Or is the, or is the answer, well, they won't. And that's why Ohio state's going to score 60. Yeah. I'm sure Pat Fitzgerald and Mike Hankwitz have been talking about all week, all like the past few days. Like, how are we going to stop Garrett Wilson? Um, you know, so first I would say is it depends on how confident they are in Greg Newsom, who is their best cover, man cover corner. And do they think he is that athletic enough to keep up with them? Because if they do, then they'll tell him you're on Garrett Wilson duty and that's your job. And, you know, I mean, very different receivers in terms of how they play. But Greg Newsom did about as good as a job as you can do on David Bell of Purdue, as anyone did this year. He was just all over the place, deflecting passes he's very physical as a corner. He probably talks more than any cornerback you're going to see. Like there will definitely be a play where he breaks up a pass to one of Olave or Newsom. And then if he's near the Ohio state sideline, he will turn to the Ohio state players and he will, he loves a chance to talk to them whenever he can. Um, but yeah, it depends on how, cause he, I think he's going to definitely stay with one of him or Olave. And that just depends on how fast they think he is probably. And if not, not then, so let's say they think, you know, it's more Garrett Wilson's just going to burn deep whoever we put on him. So we better have just try and take Olave out with Newsom and have everyone else focus on Garrett Wilson. And, you know, I don't, Cam Ruiz probably is just as, he's a good corner. He's an above average corner. He probably, he just can't stay with Garrett Wilson. So they probably will send their safeties, Brandon Joseph and J.R. Pace, more towards him. Though they Those guys are usually like sitting over the top. It's really hard to define how they play because, Brandon Joseph just runs all over the place. And that's kind of the joke is that he's gotten so many interceptions off deflections. He always seems to be in like the spot they would want him to be in just miraculously almost. 
Whereas J.R. Pace is he's he hasn't done as much this year, at least got not gotten as much of attention because of Joseph, but he's always been a like interception playmaker in the secondary. A lot of times when they throw deep, he can recover in time and make plays on that. So they can, you can look to see him like probably trying to stay with Garrett deep if he gets by the corner. So, yeah, I think that just how they match up depends on lot on how confident they are in Greg Newsom to either lock down one of Olave or Wilson, which I know, I mean, it's hard to lock down either of them. They're both yeah. going to be NFL receivers for a reason. No, yeah, it's not about stopping them, but it's about trying to keep them from scoring 50. Uh, I would have Newsom follow, Newsom follow Olave and then have Joseph be the primary help on Wilson with the corner who's on Wilson. Um, well, I've often thought when, when the West champ is trying to handle Ohio state indoors in Indy, it's about, do you have the secondary that can stay with the Ohio state receivers and the Ohio state passing game? I mean, it sounds like what you're talking about. It's like, this is a legit Northwestern secondary. There are really some, good. there are some dudes that again, it's not about shutting them down, but this is not, Every and I've thought that sometimes with Wisconsin of like, okay, well, what I get it, Wisconsin, you're going to run the ball, you're physical, I get it, but do you have corners who can stay with the Ohio State receivers? I have often thought that, and again in 2018, when Dwayne Haskins picks apart that secondary, it's like the answer is no, they don't. It feels like this Northwestern team, you know, has a better chance than many secondaries from the West who would be in this situation against Ohio State. Yeah, they're better than Wisconsin secondary last year, and they're definitely better than the secondary they had two years ago, which were both fine secondaries. But this is, I mean, there's a reason, like you said, Northwestern's only allowing 14 points per game. They're very, very good at what they do. Uh, this is, I mean, Mike Hankwitz just calls great things for them on defense all the time. There's, there are very, I don't, there are very few plays I remember where just someone is running open 20 yards downfield. There never seem to be any of those plays they always feel like they're at least connected somewhat that there's at least someone in the vicinity at all times. And it's just, they're definitely a good secondary. You can compete with Ohio state's receivers. Now, Ohio state's passing attack of fields plus Olave Wilson, everyone else you want to throw in there. It's just very hard to stop at all. But I mean, I'm pretty confident it's the best secondary Ohio state's faced all year. And I, I misspoke there as, the way I was explaining all that was 2018 was against Northwestern and Dwayne Haskins yeah. destroyed the Northwestern secondary in 2018. Mm -hmm. But this Northwestern secondary is better than that Northwestern secondary and has a better chance at this. Yeah. Matt Fitzgerald has obviously talked a lot about Mike Hankwitz, the veteran defensive coordinator who has announced that he's retiring after this season. Have you seen that? I mean, is that legit? Is it, is there something in, in the way that Northwestern is scheming stuff up, maybe keeping offenses off balance, what they do? Do you see that? Yeah the way this defense is coordinated is a big part of this. And, and do you think that Hankowitz like can conjure something up? Cause a lot of times, you know, if a team does something to, to Ohio state that you didn't expect it's because the, a coordinator on the other side kind of had something for the Buckeyes that they maybe weren't expecting. Well, I, I think that one good thing about Hankowitz is I, he is not like, a stick to my principles, no matter what guy, like a, which is an intentional jab at Don Brown of uh, Michigan. <laughs> he is going to, if something is not working, he, he's not afraid to change it then. So that could, that's just a good relief. Good. Something good to have that they're not too worried about that. And I mean, I'm no football genius. I Hank Witz would obviously know a lot more about me, but how he schemes stuff up, but they just always, 
contain things as much as they need to. They, I can't, I don't have a number in front of me. There are very few deep passes that are just happen against Northwestern in general. And they always seem to, I mean, although the one thing is they've gotten a lot of takeaways this year in their seven games, which is a huge turnaround from last year where they, I mean, their defense was still good last year, but they were not getting enough takeaways is something they talked about all season. And this year, except for the Michigan state game, I think they've won the turnover battle in every game. They have just been getting interceptions when needed, getting fumbles when needed and a turnover turnovers are a huge part of football. Like if you get the ball in the other team's territory right away, especially if an offense like Northwestern's that is competent, but not that explosive, you're just getting free points for yourself for yourself at some point. So if I'll, a part of the recipe of Northwestern were to pull this off would be they, I would say they need at least to force at least three takeaways against Ohio state. If it's less than three takeaways, they're not winning this game. But uh, one, th- one cool thing about Hank Witz that Ohio state fans, I don't know, this might be a little nerve wracking to some of them. He was a starter on the 1969 Michigan team. Oh, that for real? Ups- upset Ohio state. He was a starter for that. And so he could bookend his career by two of the greatest upsets o- over Ohio state of any of all time. I didn't know that. Are you sure you want to divulge that here on Buckeye talk? Cause I feel like I'm going to steal that now and write about that. Are you writing about that at inside NU? I believe uh, our editor in chief, Leah Asimakopoulos is writing about Mike Hankwitz. That might be a part of it, but uh, yeah, that's um, <laughs> yeah. Mike Hankwitz uh, starter for Michigan in 1969. And now <laughs> one last chance to try and upset a great Ohio state team here of Northwestern. That is really interesting. So for context here, I just looked this up very quickly. Pass plays of 20 yards or more allowed this season. Ohio State has given up 21 of them in five games. And Northwestern has given up 12 of them in seven games. So just for context for Ohio State fans of, okay, you feels like you can remember as an Ohio State fan. Yeah, well, Ohio State got burned on this. They got burned on that. Northwestern's Northwestern's not getting burned on those. They give up. They give up fewer than two per game of twenty-yard pass plays. So, I bet Ohio State gets more than two. Yeah, <laughs> I would bet that's a safe bet. But maybe Ohio State won't get seven. You know, and again, that's that's the losing formula for Northwestern is Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson have between them, you know five receptions of 40 yards or more, you know, that it's like, Oh, Lave has a 63 yard touchdown and a 71 yard touchdown. And Garrett Wilson has a 31 yard touchdown and a 52 yard touchdown. It's like, okay, well then Northwestern has no chance. You've got, they have to limit those. Um, okay. That's a pretty good, that's a pretty good breakdown. You know, you know, what's going on here. What year are you, Dan? What year are you? I am a sophomore. And are you on campus or are you home? I am home, unfortunately, because uh, that's what we did to Northwestern decided to do to de-densify campus. They only allowed um, upperclassmen back as well as student athletes. So, yeah, I'm supposed to go back in January at the start of our winter quarter, but I've been back home this quarter. What about student sports journalists? Don't you think they should be treated like student athletes? Come on. Well, I get the links to the Zoom pressers. I don't know. I don't know how a campus exists without uh, college sports writers. I mean, they are one of the most important uh, groups on any college campus. I was uh, not a sports writer in college because I was uh, I was lazy. So (laughs) I was not doing what you are doing. Your gut, your gut of can Northwestern kind of hang or is Northwestern just 
going to get blown out? Which, if you had to lean towards one of those, where are you as we talk here on Tuesday afternoon? You know, I would probably say it's like a hedge where I don't think they're going to get destroyed. I don't think they're, I don't think they're pulling this off, but like, okay, last year. So just think about last year, it was my first week with inside NU and I predicted like my very first prediction for the site was that Ohio state would beat Northwestern 52 to seven. And it was 52 to three. Cause I remember at the time just telling people, this is a better Ohio state team than I've ever seen. And this is probably the worst Northwestern team I've ever seen. And it's going to go really badly. And I generally feel like other Big Ten teams against Ohio State, I don't know why I would pick the other team when it's just probably not going to happen because of just how different the athletes are at Ohio State. And just it's like Ohio State is the death star of the Big Ten. There's no getting around it. But I, I like I think right now my score would be about 42-24 Ohio State because I do think Northwestern, their offense is competent enough and this Ohio State defense is shaky enough that they can they won't get like this won't be like last year where Northwestern should have just punted on first down every time. This will be, they will move the ball some, they can score on this team. And I think Ohio state won't go crazy. I, I don't think I would say it's like, just going to be progressively like Ohio state has like a seven point lead at the end of the first quarter, like maybe 10 or 14 by half stretches to like 15 or 20 by the third quarter. And just, they gradually pull away a little bit. It's never feels like they're completely out of the game, but Northwestern is just not going to have enough to keep up. And, I mean, that's you look at the five losses Ohio State's had since Urban Meyer took over in 2012, the two Michigan State games, Penn State, Iowa, Purdue. Those were all games in which Ohio State scored 24 or less. So if Northwestern wants any chance in this, that Ohio State can't break 30, which is a very hard. It's a very hard task to accomplish for any defense. So like if they're going to do this, it'd have to be like we've talked about a combination of Peyton Ramsey plays the game of his life and they can get up to 30 points, maybe like right at 30 and their defense does what they've done all year, finds a way to hold Ohio state in check. And they just, it's just, it's going to be very difficult, but it is not, it is not impossible. And I know it's like cliche to say when you're talking about these kinds of games, but that really is what I think is just, I would lean 42, 24 Ohio state. There's a world that exists where Northwestern pulls it off. But I just don't think it's going to happen. We've talked a lot, as people have rightly often discussed, the upset losses for Ohio State, particularly Purdue and Iowa. And I've, I've always talked about it. It feels like often in those games, even when you go back to the Ohio State-Purdue loss from 2009, that there, there's often like a hidden NFL guy, you know, that maybe you didn't know and that a guy goes off. And it's like, okay, well, Ohio State clearly is a better team, but there's – there is a supremely talented dude who popped up and made a huge difference, whether it was Ryan Kerrigan, a defensive end for Purdue back in the day, whether it was Rondell Moore as a freshman in the 2018 Purdue game, whether it was Josh Jackson as a guy who was wound up as a second round NFL pick with three picks against JT Barrett in the 2017 Iowa game. I'm not sure who that guy would be for Northwestern. And it probably would have been Rashawn Slater, right? Of like, Hey, he single-handedly, shut down the the Ohio state pass rush and made a bit a difference. But like, is there a guy like that? Is it this, is it the safety that you love? You love him. You do. You love him. Everyone's loved Brandon Joseph, Uh, Travis Willock, who had a good season for Northwestern last year. It might've even got like honorable mention all conference. He was a good safety. He opted out this year due to health concerns. And so Brandon Joseph stepped in as a redshirt freshman for a starter spot. And he's been, at least one of the five best players on the team. So he's been a revelation all year. He could definitely be a guy who just 
maybe he ends up with two interceptions and a forced fumble and Ohio state fans are upset at him for the rest of the next few years. Um, the, the other two guys I was thinking about when you were asking that question were Greg Newsom, who I've talked about at corner, who he just, that performance against David Bell, I would recommend some people watch it. Just how, how well he played in that Purdue game. Just, it feels like he's never too far away from a receiver and he will get very physical, but he gets his hands in there. He knows how to deflect passes and he's just very confident in what he's doing at all times. And the other guy on offense is Rashawn Slater's replacement, Peter Skaronsky, as a true freshman who has just been mauling people all year. He's probably been their best offensive lineman. Maybe he comes in there and it's like Ohio State fans have to watch like, oh, uh, all our defensive ends here on the outside can't get past this freshman. And suddenly in two years, Peter Skaronsky's getting picked in the top 10 of the NFL draft. Okay. That's good. I mean, because that's what it takes. It takes a great plan. It takes sort of your very good players playing the best games of their lives. It takes a little luck sometimes. It takes a couple mistakes from Ohio State that they're not used to. Again, we can go back to the Dwayne Haskins miss in the end zone to Terry McLaurin early in that Purdue game that by the end of the year, they would have completed that 10 times don't, out of 10. Don't remind me, high school Daniel was very upset that whole Purdue game. <laughs> And, and, you know, again, you give them, it's a half second miss, but it's a miss that ends up, you don't get a touchdown out of that. And it haunts you later. That's not really who Terry McLaurin and Dwayne Haskins were, but they missed on that. So Ohio state has to help Northwestern here, but it, 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 I really do think to beat Ohio state, you've got to have an exceptional talent who pops. And so maybe, maybe it is in this Northwestern secondary that, you, you step in front of, you make a read, you step in front of a pass that most safeties wouldn't make that read and you get a pick six and all of a sudden it's one guy changing a game. We're spending a lot of time talking about how Northwestern could maybe do it when they're a 21 point underdog. But, you know, again, if we just had a podcast that was called why Ohio State will win by 50, I mean, that's what we would do every week. I think Northwestern is very solid. I do not think they have the talent to really have a shot here. I, I think I think maybe there's a future where, okay, two years ago, Northwestern was in this spot. Maybe there'd be in the future, three years from now, Northwestern just has like another dude or two, you know, that like they're still well coached. They're still who they are. They just have another dude or two that really helps them have a 15% chance instead of a 5% chance in a game like this. But they just feel like, they just feel like a playmaker short, maybe like on offense. If they just had one, one really dangerous, if they had David Bell, right? That's like, what's David Bell? It's not impossible for, they're not going to get Garrett Wilson as a five-star recruit well, like, in Texas, but if they had a guy like that. Bowman, but better. Yeah, because that guy's not quite that, right? He's there, he's Northwestern's best receiver, but he's not he's not David Bell or Ty Freifogel. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Ramad Chokio-Bowman is the same kind of player with David Bell where not a huge speed guy, but just tall, good ball skills, wins a lot of high, high passes, so that kind of thing, but doesn't have like the glue for hands that uh, David Bell has. Um, another playmaker, I was just thinking about this while you were talking, uh, one guy I wanted to make sure I talked about him because I've talked about him all year, is um, the probably their best defensive lineman, at least to me, is Adetami Adabare. It's a very hard last name to say, but he is – a little undersized, but he is one of the faster, quicker defensive linemen you're going to see. He just has, he'll have one or two plays every single game where he just pops and you're like, why did that, why did number 49 there just chase down Justin Fields? Cause he can really, really run. I, I remember I was in the press box at Purdue where they, 
through the screen to Horvath, and it looked like he had like a 40-yard gain in front of him. No one was behind him. And Adabare chased the running back down from behind, from like seven yards behind, and didn't let him get a first down. It was one of the more incredible things I've seen. So, again, saying their defensive line is probably the weakest part of their defense, even though they're fine. He Adetami Adabare is a guy who, like, he will just make one or two plays where you're like, whoa, what was that as an Ohio State fan? Interesting. All right. So it's good. You got some names, Buckeye Talk listeners. You got some names that you can write down. And when you sit down to watch this game at noon on Saturday, uh, you can be a little smarter than your friends who don't listen to Buckeye Talk. So, so for real, Daniel, you're just some high school kid living your life, being a normal 17 and 18 year old, and you just listen to Buckeye Talk. You yeah, just would... would listen to this Ohio State podcast. So, I mean, part of that was a uh... My dad, obviously, because he raised me, is that he he's a big Ohio State fan. He liked the podcast, and I would be he would be driving me places either to games or um, I don't know sometimes just to the gym, and he'd always have it on. So I would then put it on too. Like a lot of times that you know working out or doing other stuff like that, just I would put it on. And yeah, I, I've been a fan. All right, teenagers who are listening to this podcast right now, someday you too could be the next Dan Olinger, and you could be on this podcast if you happen to go to a school that plays Ohio State in a football game. Um, Dan, if people want to follow you on Twitter or want to read your work, just give them again how they can stay with uh, what you're doing with the Wildcats. Yeah, so on Twitter, I'm Dan underscore Olinger. Uh, You'll see a lot of NBA-related tweets in addition to Northwestern. Uh, I'm a huge NBA fan. I write about the Sixers for Liberty Ballers so and have host a podcast there, so that's other stuff I do. Um, and yeah, inside and you, it's how you spell it. It's the same name for the Twitter and we're, we pride ourselves on covering Northwestern with a lot of passion, really diving into just how Northwestern sports work, kind of like just trying to give fans as much as they want in terms of coverage of the team. And yeah, that's pretty much all you can find my work at. I don't want the Sixers to trade Ben Simmons for James Harden, even if it might make sense, just because I don't like watching how James Harden plays, even though he's incredibly successful (laughs) at it. Ben Simmons, I think it's just more fun to watch how he plays. Is that trade going to happen? Do you think Harden ends up on the Sixers? I think we actually were doing a roundtable for Liberty Ballers, and I said I would bet it happened. the Nets trade happens before the Sixers trade happens. I'm okay if they trade for James Harden because I think he's a generational talent and you can win a title if you have another generational talent. But, uh, you know, it, I would go into more depth on why I'm okay with Ben Simmons for James Harden if this was Sixers talk, not Buckeye buck talk. <laughs> The Sixers now run by Cleveland area native and Northwestern grad, Daryl Morey, who has also been uh, a guest. He was actually not on Buckeye Talk. I had him on Takes by the Lake back in the day. Because Daniel, once upon a time, Daryl Morey was just a kid in high school who loved sports, who went to Northwestern. And look what he's done with his life. So my advice to you, Daniel, is stop this journalism nonsense and try to run a team. So it's, it's admirable that you're dabbling in this stuff right now, but aspire for more. Don't be me, Daniel. Don't be me. Be Daryl Morey. <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm fine if I turn out to be either one of you. <laughs> yeah. Good luck with that. Thanks for having us on. Let me know when you want a job. We'll make you a, uh, a full-time <laughs> member of Buckeye Talk when you graduate. Uh, should be a good one. Should be an interesting one. I think it'll be interesting for at least 30 minutes. I think it'll be at least interesting for at least 30 minutes because I think this is a good football team. I think there are, again, I think there are a couple spots short, but I think it's a good football team that at least has a shot to hang with the Buckeyes for a bit. 
Daniel Olinger, appreciate your time. Thanks for being with us on Buckeye Talk. Thanks for having me on. Joined now on Buckeye Talk by the former dean of Big Ten football writing. It's like, it's habit. It's like, oh, it's the Ohio State Northwestern Big Ten championship game. You got to call Teddy Greenstein. It's like, oh, yeah, he doesn't do this anymore, but he's doing interesting (laughs) things. So, Teddy Greenstein, thank you for joining us on Buckeye Talk. You are no longer the voice of Big Ten football as the national football writer, Big Ten football writer for the Chicago Tribune. Can you tell the good people what you are doing now? Doug, I'd be happy to. And yeah, man, this will be the first time there's a Big Ten title game in Indy uh, without me, although I suspect there'll be a lot of media not there. Wait, before I get into it, is media invited? What's going on here? Yeah, media. Yes. I don't know. I got a thing about getting a credential. I'm not going. I haven't gone to a game all year yet because I'm locking myself in my basement, but we will have people there. I don't know how limited it is, but they will have limited press. Yes. I went to the Duke Notre Dame uh, football game to write the whole column of, hey, it's a ghost town. Isn't this weird? And then, of course, once the game starts, you're like, why am I here? <laughs> if I can have right. better replays at home and the Zooms or, you know, the postgame Zooms are just on your laptop, what's the point? So I certainly understand for people not going. Uh, my new gig is I am the senior editor at PointsBet, which is an online sports book. We are competitors of uh, DraftKings and FanDuel. Those guys have bigger you know, followings and all that. They got a very early head start because of daily fantasy sports. Uh, but points bet is pretty awesome. Uh, right now we're in five states. Uh, certainly hope to be in Ohio soon. We're in New Jersey, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, and Colorado. Next is Michigan. And uh, ho- eventually we hope to be in 49 states. Utah is not going to happen, apparently. Something in the state constitution. Hmm. Um, and... I- Senior editor, I handle all the content. So we're doing videos. We do, you know, written stories. I'll write about how to bet college football championship weekend. Um, it's long-term planning, short-term planning. We're, we're doing a lot of hiring of other talent. We're growing. It's exciting, man. I was at the Tribune for 24 and a half years. Greatest gig imaginable. But uh, change can be a good thing. And uh, and I, I love talking and writing about sports betting. Very cool. I do so we do not have it yet in Ohio, but obviously, I mean, you guys have a vested interest in this. I mean, everybody does. I think a lot of sports fans in Ohio have a vested interest in, in this. Is your expectation as you guys are planning that like this is just going to happen? It's just going to be some states will be in another year. Some will be in three years, but like we're all going to get there. We're all going to get there. Absolutely. Because I mean, it's also, to be honest, like the right market for it because of COVID States have lost so much revenue and they are eager to make that up. Plus, like I was just reading about, say, the state of Kentucky, which hasn't passed any law yet legalizing mobile sports gambling. Well, Indiana has and Tennessee has. So, you know, people are going to say, wait a second, if it's legal across the border and they're bringing in that tax revenue, why aren't we doing this? And, you know, granted, it's probably not a good society if everybody is betting a lot of money on sports. But I would defend it as it's much better to use a website than to use a bookie. Uh, one, because it's taxed. So there is a benefit to society. And two, you can't bet with money you don't have. Whereas with a bookie, most people are betting on credit and they can get their legs broken. Here, none of that happens. It's all above board. And the betting opportunities on these games are hilarious. I mean, after I talked to the points bet people originally and did a little research, I was like, I've suddenly entered the third dimension of points betting. Like every game is the Super Bowl now. 
So for an, an NFL game, there might be 220 different ways to bet the game. So if you're not sure who you like spread wise, there are a million props and, and fun ways to bet. I just, I've done a little bit at the beginning of writing about the stuff in Ohio. That's what it feels like to me is happening in Ohio that Indiana has it. There right. are opportunities in Pennsylvania and West Virginia to people do things. Right. And that Ohio, I think is going to be late to the game, but Ooh. they're going to let like everybody else sort it out and then be like, well, what are we doing? Like everybody else has <laughs> it. Why don't we have it? And that's exact. And then Ohio will have it. But I, I don't know that Ohio is going to be at the front of it. But oh. as you said, you're just, it's just the state's losing an opportunity to make some money because people are doing it. Yeah. And, you know, certain states, you understand why they're slow, because like New York and California, they have Indian casinos and they want to protect, you know, the actual casinos. They want people to go in and place bets. Um, you know, there's states with a lot of horse racing. So, again, there are certain states that don't want everybody to be as easy as just doing it on your phone. They want people to get up and actually, uh, you know, play blackjack and do all those kind of things. I certainly get that. But I think eventually, other than Utah, it's going to be in all 49 states. And it's just, you know, this stuff is so normalized. It's kind of like the whole cannabis marijuana thing where for the longest time it was whispering and, you know, what do you have and where are you going to get it? And now it's just above board and taxed and, uh, you know, brings in a lot of revenue. Man, I just, I cannot wait to be just an old retired guy getting high and betting sports in my house, man. <laughs> just like, hey man, when I was a kid, you couldn't do this stuff legally. Look at us now. Um, I'm kidding. You'll be passing the joint to your grandkid. It'll be fantastic. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> Grandpa, this used to be legal. So um, so the one thing I just want to, and it's and it's like, listen, you're you've been a good friend of the podcast over the years. I'm gonna let you talk about your company a little bit because sure. it's interesting. But you guys have this thing where it's like, hey, you got screwed by your bet, so here's your money back, which is like kind of like a cool <laughs> thing. This didn't did this happen? This happened with the Purdue, Minnesota like weird pass interference early in the year. This happened with it your sure company, did. right? Yeah, we call it the Karma Committee. And it was created uh, after that NFC championship game, that that uh, Saints game where, oh. you know, it's like the worst non-pass interference call, the, the total blown call. And then similarly, that Friday night game, Minnesota-Purdue, where the tight end, you know, makes that beautiful catch in the end zone and the Big Ten official uh, ruins Christmas by calling offensive P.I., so we got together at that point and within, I don't know, 20 or 30 minutes, uh, we determined that we were going to refund all Purdue bets at that point. I think it was like money line bets and spread bets because Purdue got completely hosed. Then we introduced a thing called personal good karma. So for new customers, they can select their own bad beat at the end of December. So, hey, might have been a game last night. <laughs> People might want to pick because... That was absolutely savage with that last second safety. Yeah, the Browns were favored by three, or favor, the Browns were three point underdogs, were losing by three, and they do the 19 lateral thing at the end, and they end up with the safety, and the Ravens win by five. That was an awful beat. So people got their money back. People can pick to get their money back. That's a good thing. Exactly. Uh, interesting. So I, I want, there's a crazy thing happening with this Ohio State Northwestern game on Saturday <laughs> that we want to talk about. But just in general, what, what, it, what is the line that you guys have on this game? And do you have a yeah. read on this from your personal perspective as someone who now writes about sports betting for a living and wrote about Big Ten football for 25 years? You're a pretty good per person to ask about the betting line for Ohio yeah. State. Yeah, I mean, this really feels like a replay of 2018, Doug. And the, the 2018 line was 16 and a half points. 
And Northwestern was looking good in the third quarter. Obviously, they had trailed by only three late. So maybe looking good to win, but more so looking good to cover. Uh, and this year, the line is at 20.5, which is exactly what I pegged it at. I thought 20 or 20 and a half points. And I mean, for me, it's a game that I just don't touch. I, I'm just going to try to enjoy it as a Northwestern alum because uh, the line seems fair. On the one hand, Northwestern's defense is too good to give 20 and a half points to. On the other hand, I think the final score is going to be 37 to 14. <laughs> so I, I just can't really support either side. Um, and, you know, how can Northwestern win or keep it close? I don't know. I mean, if Justin Fields has like the worst game of his life, I, I think that's possible. Obviously, Northwestern has a very good defense. The problem is Northwestern does not have Michael Penix. Uh, right. It has Michael Penix's old backup, Peyton Ramsey, but Peyton Ramsey's not going to throw for 491 yards like Penix did. I was looking at it. Peyton Ramsey's top uh, performance this year in terms of passing yards is 212. So Northwestern really just doesn't have, you know, the weapons to, to make Ohio State secondary pay. So I think it's only chance is if it somehow forces a ton of turnovers and uh, some weird stuff happens and Northwestern could win, you know, 17 to 16. That's the fake number I keep giving out for the Northwestern win. 17, 16. It's like it's that the? kind of game that, cause the hard thing for Northwestern is I do think they have the kind of defense that can make it hard on Ohio state, maybe for a half, but yes. then talent takes over. You exactly. wear them down a little bit. It, it's one of those games where it's like Northwestern plays well. And then it's like, Oh, there's an 80 yard pass to Chris Olave. And what do you do? And that you just almost anticipate <laughs> Ohio State's skill in the passing game, hitting those at some point. How does Northwestern get through a whole game without giving up a quick slant to Garrett Wilson that pops for 60 yards? You just think that's going to happen at some point. It's exactly the analysis I see. I mean, I think about, you know, Dwayne Haskins throwing for 499 in maybe the best quarterback performance I've ever seen in my life. And Justin Fields is I don't know, as good as Dwayne Haskins, almost as good. I mean, he, he had, you know, he was flawed in the Indiana game. That's That's been about maybe the only rough one of his career that I can think of. So, um, yeah, like if Dwayne Haskins had only been average that day in 2018, that game probably goes to the wire. Um, so I, I think that would be required this time. But exactly, if, if you were telling me it was a 30-minute game, I would say Northwestern has like a one in four or one in five chance. But over 60 minutes – I'll say Northwestern has about a one in 12 chance to win this game. And we, we said this a lot that the fact that the big 10 championship game is indoors only right. exacerbates every edge that Ohio exactly. state has on everybody else in the league that when they get Wisconsin, in the big 10 championship game, Wisconsin wishes it was played in the mud. Exactly. Northwestern wishes this game was played in soldier field, not in Lucas oil stadium inside. So it's like, Oh, now it's inside. It's perfect passing weather Northwestern or Ohio state's fast guys are going to be even faster. It's like, great. That's every edge. The Buckeyes already have. And it's like the Wisconsin game last year in the big 10 title game. Badgers had them for what? 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Uh, you know, Wisconsin in the same way, you know, Wisconsin has really mucked up Ohio state's offense. That's what Northwestern has done to Wisconsin's offense. Yep. Um, so I don't know if there, there's a transitive property property there. I kind of doubt it. Uh, you know, Northwestern has beaten Ohio state, I think once in the past, what is it like 53 tries or something like that. It's yep, it, it, it doesn't happen very much. No. So, um, yeah, it would take a mini miracle, 
Um, but Northwestern's defense is legit uh, in, at all three levels. If they can somehow hold Ohio State to, I don't know, seven possessions and, you know, keep them in the, in the low to mid-20s, let's see what happens. I know Darren Ravel is going to be rooting for that to happen. So, Teddy, you and I both went to Northwestern. Darren Rovell is at Northwestern a couple years behind us. Uh, Darren Rovell, the now famous um, sports business guy who is now yeah. also very involved with sports betting as well. I can remember when Darren had a sports business podcast on WNUR, the student radio station, and I think I was oh, on with man. him one time, and I was like, who is this kid? He has a sports business thing, and cre- he created basically a whole beat for himself. That's right. So he has a chance to win a quarter of a million dollars from your company if Northwestern wins this game. Teddy, I'm worried for you. Is Darren Rovell taking money out of your pocket? How is this going to work on Saturday? Yeah, talk about, you know, mixed emotions here, what I'm rooting for. Darren was also nice enough to cut me in on his bet. So uh, I've got $50 to win 2000 if Northwestern wins the Big Ten title. And by the way, one of the great things about leaving the newspaper business is I can just be open about any bets I'm making. I think my company <laughs> even encourages me to do so. So I'm more like our clients. Um, but here's the story. I retweeted it yesterday. Darren put it out uh, on the Action Network, which is his main uh, main feed. So Darren, every year, bets on Northwestern to win the Big Ten. He did it again this year. And early on, PointsBet was offering 200 to 1 odds on Northwestern to win the Big Ten. He kept betting. He kept betting. Those odds sunk to 66 to one. He kept betting. Bottom line is he has about $1,600 in bets to win $238,000 through points bet. Points bet offered a buyout of a little over $20,000. 99 out of hundred people would say, give me my money. Have a great day. Darren is not doing that. Darren is rolling the dice. And not only is he rolling the dice, he is, this is all his idea to have a live streamed show during the Big Ten Championship game on Saturday. I have been roped into co-hosting with him. I'll be in Chicago. He'll be in New Jersey. Um, and it's like a deal or no deal uh, format, I believe. So if Northwestern somehow takes an early lead, there'll be somebody from PointsBet, I believe, offering him a higher buyout saying, hey, Darren, we're now offering $40,000. Do you want to take it? And he'll have to decide during this telecast whether he is going to take this large sum of money. So you're Howie Mandel. Teddy is Howie Mandel. <laughs> do, I have, equation. do I have to shave? You have, a beautiful, you have a beautiful head of hair. I've never seen that show. Thank you. I've never seen the show. It's a good show. Oh, no, it is a good show. So, yeah, there's the banker who's all mysterious. There's the contestant that's Darren. And Howie Mandel just stands in the middle and says, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are you going to do? So that's you. I would think the best thing for Darren is what we're talking about here is that, like, Northwestern gets ahead in the first half, and then he has to take it. He has to take the buyout at the peak of the buyout. To, to, if he can get up to $30,000, $35,000, $40,000, because Justin Fields throws an early pick and Northwestern happens to be ahead 13 to three, you have yes. got to take that. Because the idea of he's not, he's not trying to have Northwestern cover the spread. To have Northwestern actually win, so much would have to happen. That's like the best of Northwestern and the worst of Ohio State at the same time. That's, that's, that's well said. And, and by the way, here's what's also cool about sports betting nowadays where it's gotten so like next level. So, you know, it used to be, all right, you'd have to get your bet in by kickoff and then you just hope that it holds. Now half the action we take is on in play is on live betting. 
So th- th- there's no there's no pressure to get it in. So I'll just give you an example like of a successful bet like uh, Wisconsin Iowa on Saturday. I loved Iowa for some reason. The spread uh, you know, Wisconsin ended up being favored by a point and a half. I did not understand that at all. The professional betters loved Wisconsin. I loved Iowa probably because Iowa's been playing great and Wisconsin's been lousy. But it's interesting. Um, you know that game is starting. And then uh, Iowa mops the punt and Wisconsin scores. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh God, is this game going to totally flip? So what you can do during games now is hedge, you know, there's always, so basically almost every play of a football game. Now the odds are changing. So if a game like that starts out where Iowa on the money line is plus 115, plus 110, you know, at a certain point, Iowa is minus 600. You have to wager 600 to win an extra hundred dollars on there, but then Wisconsin comes back. So, there's so many different ways now to hedge. It makes it more fun, but also trickier because you, in the old days, you just made one decision before the game. Right. Now it's like a stock market. It, things are constantly moving. Have you thought I have had, we make, you know, picks on our podcast. We pick the Northwestern game and pick a big couple of big teams, each, pick big 10 games each week. I yeah. found it very difficult to bet the big 10 or to even talk about the big 10 this year because it's so hard to get a handle on anybody. You, you know, Michigan blows out Wisconsin in week one and you think, okay, or Michigan blows out Minnesota. You think, oh, Michigan's good. And it turns out, no, no. both Michigan and Minnesota are bad. Yes. But then we're in a world where, you know, Nebraska's terrible, yet Nebraska still beat Penn State, but now Penn State's figured it out. And then yes. you have Northwestern and Michigan State. Michigan State is awful many weeks, yet Michigan State also beat Michigan and Northwestern. So I have had, I have had a very difficult time trying to get a handle on the big 10 because it feels like from week to week, a lot of these teams are completely different teams, maybe because of COVID, maybe because they're rusty, maybe because of whatever, but man, it's, I've had a hard time figuring it out. You said you're, you're betting now as you go along, have, have you had a handle on the big 10 this year? Have you had a hard time? So honestly, if I, if I had only bet the Big Ten this year, I would be pretty rich. Really? <laughs> I've had a, a lot of success betting the Big Ten. The other leagues, the NFL, the NFL is just like, I, I say it's like throwing darts from 100 yards away blindfolded. No idea what's going to happen on Sunday. So I got some intel preseason that Michigan was going to be terrible. Somebody had said this is Michigan's worst team. All these assistant coaches are like independent contractors. Obviously, week one, I was like, oh, Geez, this guy might be totally wrong. But then I've basically been fading Michigan the whole time. My biggest bet of the year was that Michigan-Wisconsin game. I told everybody, I said, go huge on this game. And that was a, a really stellar weekend. And then what I've been doing is I've been betting records basically every weekend because this team is totally undervalued. So I even hit the money line against Purdue. Um, and last week I swept. I bet three games. Uh, I won on Minnesota plus the points, even though the Minnesota COVID situation was, you know, hard to predict. I just thought that was way too many points spent in Nebraska. I won on Rutgers and I won on Iowa. So no, the big 10 has actually treated me very, very well this year, to be honest. And that's why, you now work for a betting website and <laughs> better. And I'm just a dumb <laughs> sports writer making bad picks on a podcast. All right. You brought it up and I want, I want to get to this and then we'll let you get back to your life, Teddy, but you mentioned Michigan and the idea that you, you thought this would be a bad Michigan year. I 
think Michigan should be done with Harbaugh. I think he did a good job in getting and mm. making the transitional guy from Rich Rodriguez, Brady Hoke to now. They're not they're not awful all the time. He took them a step. He can't win the big games. He can't beat Ohio sure. State. But I think it would be time for something else. I'm not exactly sure why they're messing around with a contract extension or whatever. But the right. guy that I have been most interested in, and we all know Matt Campbell from Iowa State is a guy that a name that people throw out a lot. I have said if I was Michigan, I would make a godfather offer to Pat Fitzgerald that I think that is the guy like an authentic guy who is the anti Harbaugh in a lot of ways. I think we've seen what he's done. The fact it still boggles my mind. And again, I I really am not. I tell people, people know I'm a Northwestern grad. I don't I don't root for them. I don't really I they should not be this good. It doesn't make sense for Northwestern to be this consistently good at football. (laughs) To be this consistently better than Illinois, this consistently right. better than Nebraska, this consistent, it just, it's not how it should be based on so many things. Mm. Do you think that Pat Fitzgerald is like a super long hauler at Northwestern or what would ever interest him to leave? And the thing that I wonder about is if he feels like with the new facilities, with stacking now two West division championships in three years, it's not a flash in the pan. Would he get to the point where he's like, listen, I have raised the level of Northwestern to new heights. I can pass it off to someone that I trust. I can think it's not going to go downhill the minute I leave. It's more than just me now, more than just Pat Fitzgerald. And I can go chase something bigger, whether that's a school that has a better legitimate chance to win a national title, whether it's more money, whether it's the NFL from afar, I can imagine that, but also maybe he wants to be Northwestern's head coach for 50 years. I don't know. What do you think Pat Fitzgerald's interests are and the idea of him at Michigan or somewhere else as a college coach, do you think that's ever going to be possible? Uh, Michigan could offer him $15 million a year and he ain't coming. He could have had the job that went to Brady Hoke. He was able to leverage that into the massive facilities upgrade. Hope you have Come back to your alma mater to see what this uh, looks like on the lake because it is absolutely spectacular. Fitz is not going to go to a school where he has to beat Northwestern. There's no chance. I used to think that if he stayed in the college game, maybe there'd be a slight chance he'd go to a place like Texas where, you know, you get all the resources and you don't have to leave your state to to recruit. But um, really, the only job he would leave for is the Chicago Bears. Uh, He probably could have had the Green Bay Packers job two years ago. I ended up doing some reporting. I talked to his wife, Stacy. I said, I said, did you guys look at the Packers seriously? She told me, she said, well, one day at dinner, um, Fitz said to the kids, they have three boys. Hey guys, are we interested in the Packers? And they said, no, we're Bears fans. And that was it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how he decided to stay at Northwestern. You know, those kids are um, the oldest is a high school football player. And then the two younger ones, uh, kind of middle school aged. they love Football. They love youth football. They are dying to play for their dad. Um, the Bears would be the only one, I believe, because he wouldn't have to move. And Pat Fitzgerald is a huge Bears fan. And if you're looking for the ultimate challenge now in Chicago, that's it, because the Bears have basically sucked ever since Mike Ditka left. Um, but that said, I think the Bears might might stick with Nagy. And even if the Bears reached out strongly to Fitz, there's no guarantee he would take it. He makes a ton. There's no one actually to pass it off to. Mike Hankwitz, the defensive coordinator, is about to retire. The OC is Mike Bajakian, who's only been there for you know eight or nine months. There's, there's no logical guy. And 
Fitz absolutely loves it. I think he, he wants his kids to play for him. He loves the president. Now, look, the AD Jim Phillips, he is leaving for the ACC, as you know, Doug. So that's something where eh, could that be a small factor? And, and Fitz saying, well, maybe this is the right time. Hank is leaving, going to have to find a new defensive coordinator. The Bears should make a run at him. They might be able to hire him. But I think that's it. You think it's possible that Pat Fitzgerald spends his entire coaching career at Northwestern? You think that's possible? I mean, it is conceivably possible. Yeah. He truly believes that you can win a national championship there. Um, you know, it's interesting. You say, hey, there's no reason Northwestern should be this good. And I certainly understand what you're talking about when you think about having recruiting classes that are ranked, whatever, seventh to ninth in the Big Ten and 38th nationally, whatever they are. The thing is, like, Fitz doesn't care about how many stars are next to your name. He wants the three-star guy who has a great attitude and a great work ethic and can be a really good football player in three or four years versus the four-star guy that Illinois grabs because everybody thinks he's great. And then he's going to last two months on your campus. And then he's going to transfer to Kent state. He, he just doesn't care. So, you know, Northwestern has this niche. It's the best education in the big 10. So for all those moms and dads and kids who care about the degree, that's their edge over places like Illinois. Now look, Wisconsin, you know, Notre Dame, Michigan. I mean, there are a lot of great schools in the Midwest, but Northwestern has this niche and they have incredible facilities and great stability at the top. So it, there is a reason why they are successful. It, it, it starts with Pat, um, but it started with Gary Barnett and Randy Walker. So it's, it's really no longer a fluke. So you'll be watching, you'll be uh, mediating Darren Rovell and your company trying to figure out what's going to happen. And you think it could be a game for a bit, but it, it's going to be tough for Northwestern to hang for the full 60. I do. I mean, I think the best case is it's a scenario like Wisconsin, Ohio state last year, or where it's uh, Ohio state Northwestern to 2018 where Northwestern's hanging in there. They have a great third quarter. You look up, it's a three point game. Uh, I certainly give Northwestern a, a, a solid chance to cover the 20.5, but yeah, man, I'm saying a, a one in 12 shot to, uh, to win it all. I will say this is my little piece of information that you can uh, give your readers on your site, Teddy. This is Ohio state's fifth time in the big 10 championship. It's only the second time they've come in with a healthy starting quarterback because Oof. 2014, it's third stringer <laughs> Cardale Jones making his first start. 2000. Uh, 17, JT Barrett gets whacked by the camera at Michigan, has arthroscopic oh, knee yeah. surgery in the week between the Michigan game and the Big Ten championship game. Yep. Isn't himself at all. They probably should have started Dwayne Haskins, and Ohio State wins a close game. And then last year, Justin Fields hurts his knee against Penn State, aggravates it against Michigan, is not healthy, is not himself, and Wisconsin yeah. gives everything Ohio, Ohio State everything they can handle. So the only time they've had a first-string, fully healthy starting quarterback in the Big Ten championship game, he did, as you said, Dwayne Haskins threw for 499 yards. So Yeah, this is not Graham Mertz. Uh, you know, this, <laughs> this is not taking on Wisconsin in a, a new quarterback. Justin Fields is amazing. I mean, he's going to be, he's probably going to be the second pick in the, in the draft and Olave. And I, you know, I've covered all these games. I've covered Michigan, Ohio state, I think every year, but one in the last 11 and love that Buckeyes program, man. Jerry, you make all these guys have contributed over the years and, and I've been able to write some good stories. So all the respect in the world to the program and maybe they have the biggest off day and humanly possible and it happens, but I'd be a little shocked, Darren Ravel. 
<laughs> yeah, tell Darren if Northwestern gets up three nothing, take the money. Um, Please, exactly. I, I got money on this too. Take the money. Take the money. Teddy, get one more time. Give it to the people where they can uh, find your work and and as Ohio yeah. moves towards. And we have a lot of listeners who aren't in Ohio, so they can probably right. do that right now too. That's right. Thank you for the opportunity, Doug. So it is uh, points bet, and I'll tell you what. Use bonus code Teddy G for your two five hundred dollar risk free bets and a <laughs> and a um, match for your first deposit of up to two hundred and fifty dollars. All right, so. Up to 250 on the first one, two free bets. If you have any questions about that, holler at me on Twitter. My DMs are open at Teddy Greenstein. Points bet is a damn good time. So uh, hopefully some of you will join. Bonus code Teddy G. I mean, how do you not? <laughs> you had to wind up in sports betting full time at some point. You're just Teddy G. You're not even getting, you had to drop the last name at some point. He's or just. Even te- Sorry, but Teddy KGB. Are you a poker guy? Have you seen the movie Rounders? Absolutely. Right, right. So I got oh, a, couple, man. a couple gambling nicknames. Teddy, thank you so much for the time. Good luck with everything you're doing. Uh, when Ohio gets online with uh, sports betting, we'll have you on even more often. So thanks for joining us on Buckeye Talk. Awesome, Doug. Loved it. Have an amazing weekend. See you. And that's it for this Buckeye Talk. Make sure you're back Thursday for the Buckeye Talk all about National Signing Day, which is happening on Wednesday. But want to thank our guests so much for taking time out of their day to join us at Teddy Greenstein, that's T-E-D-D-Y-G-R-E-E-N-S-T-E-I-N. Follow him on Twitter. Again, that's at PointsBetUSA for Teddy information about sports gambling. And then Daniel Olinger, find him at at D-A-N underscore O-L-I-N-G-E-R. And his work is at InsideNU. Find them on Twitter at I-N-S-I-D-E-N-U. Thanks to you guys for listening. Talk to you Thursday. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was Buckeye Talk.